Hi everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the View podcast. I'm Akshara, the head of customer marketing at View.ai. If you've tuned into our previous episodes, you know we've been talking about topics that are currently hot in retail. Um, we've been talking about store closures, collection drops, uh, the supposed death of the store, uh, experiential retail, convenience models, AI, omnichannel, the works, right? But today, we actually get to hear from someone who's incredibly influential in retail and someone who's been at the very core of everything that's been going on with retail in the last 15 years. Um, we're very, very excited to have Kate Trotter, the head of trends at Insider Trends and the 26th most influential professional in global retail. Her experience in retail has been pretty amazing. Through her role at Insider Trends, Kate has held some of the biggest brands in the world like Chanel, Marks & Spencers, LVMH, Galleries Lafayette, Nike, Clarks & Swarovski discover innovative ways of doing business. She's all about creating these amazing ecosystems for brands. So welcome, Kate. We're very, very excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Hello. Fantastic. Um, so, Kate, you founded two very successful businesses in your early 20s, right? So can you tell us a little bit more about the companies you founded and what was the idea behind creating Insider Trends? Gosh, the story starts 10 years ago, I think, or maybe a bit more. Um, when I decided I wanted to become a trend scout, I was working in ethical marketing before that and just realized that I love innovation. And um, at that point, I looked into because I live in London so um, I looked to find out who there was to work for in London but uh, there didn't seem to be that many people I had a couple of chats to them to find out what it would be like and I figured that I'd be working very long hours for not much money and so I thought I might as well do that myself <laughs> for myself um, so I, I knew a bit of web design and um, I decided to put a couple of websites online and see who responded one of the first things I did was to do some competitor research and I looked at all the different trend agencies all over the world and I found that there were a couple one in Miami and one in Tokyo delivering something called a trend tour or a retail safari and I thought that can be my thing so um yeah, I launched Insider Trends, which offered these different trend tours, not just in retail, actually, but in lots of different areas. And I mapped all the hotspots, all the innovation hotspots and interesting spaces that I could think of. And at that point, I realized there might be an opportunity to package it up and put it, well, yeah, package it up into standardized routes. And again, just to see who wanted it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why there ended up being two companies. There was Insider Trends, which was delivering strategic bespoke sessions for big brands. And there was uh, the second one, Insider London, which was offered standardized routes for school groups um, and office parties. That was, a, that was a vehicle for a lot of smaller ideas we we had the first street art tour in London we um well yeah it still has a very successful London underground tour that tells 100 well, the story of 150 years of history over two hours so it was really fun but um I realized later on that essentially I'm not a manager that's what I learned so I sold inside of right. London and now I focus on inside of trends full-time 
Wow, that seems like a pretty long and interesting journey. Um, you know, were there any challenges you had to go through as an entrepreneur? I think, I mean, one of the most relevant things I read was actually very much at the beginning where they said that running a business is like having two full-time jobs. There's running the business, which is one full-time job, and there's doing the work, which is another. And so I've always felt, <laughs> yeah, that I've almost had these two full-time jobs, but we are streamlining and managing this. And, and I'm shifting now more into my role as head of trends at Insider Trends and there are other people stepping into the management position. So that is simplifying, which is good. But yeah, it's taken 10 years to learn this in various respects. So that I would say has been one of the biggest challenges. Absolutely. So we noticed that, you know, you conduct a lot of insightful, thought-provoking workshops. Um, how did you branch out into this space? And do you choose to cater to a specific segment of retailers? What kind of problems are you looking to solve when you collaborate with a retailer? Oh, um, yeah. So we, how did we branch out into this? I think it came from the fact that, so with the retail safaris and the presentations, we're often observing what other leading retailers are doing and if you observe enough you start to develop your own opinions about what businesses should be doing so we just found that observing wasn't enough we really wanted to well we had the expertise by that point to really help retailers develop and so that's where the workshop offer came from um, and we actually prefer that I think it's it's nicer to help people with their bespoke issues on a more focused basis i suppose um right. how we well we don't choose who we work with to be honest most of our clients come to us so we just right. answer the phone and they're there wanting some some help um or they see us speak and they uh, would like some help so that's relatively simple um and and what we choose to work with them with i guess it's all just in response to what they need i guess how much time they have to work with us how much how, what level of um change they want to bring about so it's it's really developed in conversation i suppose we can't we don't have an agenda it, it has to be developed based on what each client needs that's so true. Um, you know, we've actually heard you say that to be a successful retailer, stop thinking like a retailer and start thinking like a tech company. Um, you know, going forward, how should retailers change their innovation strategies? So I think I've, my thinking's maybe developed a little bit more since I said that. <laughs> but um, I, I still I still think it's, it's true. I, I mean, I think that comes from the fact that of course, technology is the biggest driver of change in retail. But what I've realized is that there are really two camps of innovation. And some retailers are more comfortable with one camp and others are more comfortable with the other. So the first is, um, I mean, they don't have sexy names, these different camps, but we talk a lot about iterative versus disruptive innovation. Right. So iterative is um, focused on Im improving the performance within the existing paradigm and the existing paradigm is is i guess around omni channel but 
even within omnichannel, it still says that the store is the center point of that omnichannel ecosystem. And so that's about, I think retailers are looking to add technology to different parts of that model to improve performance, which is, is perfectly valid um, because that's still obviously how, you know, I just, well, globally, 90% of sales go through stores still. So it's hugely relevant. Um, but the other way is this disruptive style of thinking, which is really about thinking digital first. There are now a series of channels and interactions that enable brands to get to know customers better, to serve them better, but for a fraction of the cost of selling and interacting through stores. So it, essentially it's, it's better for, they're able to serve customers better for less. And so that I think is more of the tech company style of thinking that you're engaging through digital first and then you happen to sell some product. Can you give us some examples of, you know, brands that have actually done that really well? Yeah. So I think, I mean, Nike are, absolutely nailing it <laughs> in this at, at the moment and it's actually also quite interesting because of course they started out as a traditional bricks and mortar retailer or in terms of their retailing they started out thinking about the store but um through their sneakers app they're doing some amazing things so they've released um they've launched sneaker drops that can only be accessed through geolocation and when you go into this a special geolocated or marked out zone you can um see these a particular pair of shoes in augmented reality and you can buy them there so that's a whole model that doesn't rely on the store they're turning different parks into stores basically um, but they're able to do so or in the future they'll be able to do so for a fraction of the cost of actually running a store right um and they've come up with a pair of shoes that you can tap with your phone in order to unlock or access monthly sneaker drops so by buying the pair of shoes it unlocks the ability to buy other pairs of shoes the the shoe itself is the shopping channel it's not again the store um and we i was just reading about something where they've they've released they're selling shoes in Fortnite now. So the game, again, is the shopping channel, not the, the shop. So in all these different ways, they're looking at how they can interact with their customers and sell to their customers through different avenues rather right. than store. Um, and also Tommy Hilfiger are doing some interesting things. Last autumn they came up with their explore range which is a range of chipped clothing that can be paired with a phone and once that's right. happened they can award customers points based on how often they wear the clothing and where they wear the clothing so i guess if they travel further distances when they're wearing this clothing they get more points and so that i mean that i know that example freaks a lot of people out, which is understandable, but also that to me highlights a whole new way of interacting and engaging with customers. Everyone said that the store wouldn't die because 
we would always need to interact and engage customers through the store. But actually, Tommy Hilfiger are showing that you can do it in in a more ongoing way on a, on a daily basis through the product itself, which to me seems far more relevant than just going into the shop. So I think we're at the very beginning of interactions like this, but to me, this is a whole new way of thinking that is totally going to change what retail is. And that is very exciting. That's so true. Um, you know, I'm actually thinking of one of your keynote talks where you said that Brands that connect with consumers emotionally don't just sell more. They can sell the same things for 20 to 200% more. Uh, You know, that's an incredible statistic. And it's the kind of thing that should start coming to brands naturally. Uh, You know, in fact, for us at View.ai, our founders are always talking about the importance of taking AI out of the labs and applying it in the real world context where, you know, especially in industries like retail, where it can actually impact human lives. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how this connect between brands, uh, the so-called emotional connect between brands and consumers can help create better retail experiences? There are two different ways you can use technology. You can either, it can either become a barrier or you can use it to link the customer and the brand. And so I think when everyone started thinking about putting technology into their stores, we saw all sorts of iPads and big touch screens going into spaces. And customers, of course, didn't use them. And I think that's because it kind of acts as a barrier or it, it adds complexity to the experience, which is yeah why they weren't very successful. But we've seen other brands add technology into their space in a way that brings the customer and the brand closer together. And I think the quintessential example of this is, well, there's a tech company called Spruce Labs, um, and they actually also run their own shop called Spruce. And in that space, they can recognize customers as they walk into the space. And as they walk in, this system, the Spruce Labs system can access everything the brand knows about the customer, everything they've browsed, everything they've bought, everything they've said to the brand up until that point. And then this system can ping the assistant's iPad with everything they know about that customer. The assistant can look at all of this information to to become informed, but then they can put the iPad down and have a highly informed yet low-tech interaction with that right. customer. That's fantastic. And um, they've got a really good uh, video online, which you should have a look at. It talks about the Spruce system, but it's quite interesting to see the Spruce store because even though it's super high-tech, it looks really traditional. There isn't a screen in sight. And I love that idea that you can have a high tech and high touch experience you can have the best of both and so it is high tech but it feels more human than ever and so that is the future i think we're moving towards yeah i think it's uh, i think it's interesting you bring up these types of experiences because we're seeing the active rise of experiential retail off late um, you know there's apartment style stores like Cezanne. there's cereal bars at kids that supposedly make a shopper feel rejuvenated once they're done sneaker shopping. You know, Macy's hosted a collaborative pop-up with Story. 
And of course, the biggest thing that everybody's been talking about in the last couple of months is the launch of Hudson Yards. Um, and they did a massive experiential launch in New York. And even spaces like, you know, the Museum of Ice Cream and the Infinity Room, they're all big things in experiential retail today. So how do you see brands fitting this into their narrative? So I think this is about working out what making a conscious choice about what type of experience you want to offer in in at each point in the customer journey. We talk a lot about the fast and the slow. There are these two ways that you can improve the customer experience. And some of it is about speeding things up. Once a customer knows what they want to buy, the best thing you can do is sell that thing to them as quickly and easily as possible. And sometimes customers don't want uh, to talk to people they they know what they want and they just want to go in and get it and technology of course in that space is can support that type of journey or that type of moment perfectly but of course sometimes customers want to have a leisure experience they want to take the time to browse they want to have a chat to people so those are these types of slow experiences that can be supported by technology but don't necessarily need technology um so i think i mean in terms of people and the retail experience i think i think ultimately there are going to be fewer people or fewer assistants in stores but the ones who will be there will be there to bring the brand to life to be hugely passionate and knowledgeable about the brand but they'll be there more to enhance the experiential aspects of it than to process transactions so they'll add a new another dimension rather than just restocking shelves I guess. So it yeah, be more of a conscious choice, I think, that the people in a retail experience. That's so true. Um, you know, I'd love to get your views on where you think AI fits into the future of retail. Do you think it can be of tangible value to brands going forward? Yeah, I think it is hugely valuable. I think it has to be the almost the most important thing for businesses to, to think about at this point in time. I told me that um, the businesses embracing AI are now growing 30% faster than those that aren't. And it just seems like AI is the way to manage a lot of complexity, understand, and essentially optimize every aspect of your business. So I can't see why businesses won't embrace this and why this isn't part of the long-term future for retail and almost every business going forward. Mm -hmm. You know, Kate, um, you're constantly out there doing keynotes and in-depth studies on retail trends as part of your job, right? So what's the general opinion of AI amongst retailers? Um, Are they afraid of it? Are they starting to see the value it can bring to a business, to productivity? Uh, Talk us through that a little bit. I think people think it's more complicated than it is, to be honest. I think they think it's some magic technology that's quite difficult to apply in their businesses and really it's just a case of making a phone call to the right people and the right businesses will make it easy for retailers to get involved in AI Um, and I think people forget that we've been using AI for years actually 
Right. Uh, it's not necessarily a future technology. It's something that's actually been around us and just makes the world work a bit better. And hopefully is, it does make the world more intelligent when it's used well. And can you take us through maybe an interesting example of a business that's using AI um, in a way that's been impressive to you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, one of my favorite examples is from a company called Farmstead. And they, they're working in the San Francisco Bay area. And from a customer's perspective, this looks like an e-commerce grocery platform where the products are from local artisanal producers, but they cost similar amounts to mass-produced products available in a large supermarket. And how this is possible, how they're able to offer these better quality products at lower prices is because it, the system is backed by AI. So this system matches supply and demand really well. And by doing that, they can reduce waste. So the standard, I think the standard level of waste in the grocery industry is like, or supermarket industry is like 35 to 40%. Whereas with Farmstead, it's 10%. And so lower wastage translates in part into um, the ability to lower costs and pass on those lower costs to their customers. So, and I think this is, brilliant this opens up a whole new offer to customers this isn't just about making the standard method of consumption a bit smarter this is about enabling customers to access products from new types of producers for a lot less money and so yeah it's a whole new business model i think and i think that's again very exciting and hopefully make things a bit more sustainable as well by managing. So if the AI can manage complexity, then we don't need to send various products miles up and down the country. You can actually manage a much more complicated local delivery model, maybe. So, yeah, it's yeah, not just about making traditional things smarter. It's about opening up far more complicated and interesting ways of doing business, I think. That's exactly right. Um, you know, I think data is a huge part of this. I could even, you know, give you an example of one of the use cases we're looking to solve, which is using automation to create rich data and e-commerce catalogs better, um, you know, helping brands manage their inventory better, which generally leads to better search and discovery for shoppers on the website. Um, all of this can help them make intelligent business decisions. And I think that's kind of what we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I think actually also Tommy Hilfiger, they ran a project with some fashion students in New York and um, an artificially intelligent system um, and their designs. And one student brought everything together to use the AI to access individuals' Twitter profiles and Instagram profiles to see to, I guess, gauge their personality a little bit and to see what kind of imagery they were into. Mm -hmm. And based on what the AI learned, it then created a personalized bomber jacket for that person. Oh, fantastic. And so I think that is, yeah, more of a 
further future concept idea but that's where this is going right this is it's as you say it's really important to manage inventory better but i think wouldn't it be wonderful if if you could just say to a company this is who i am or learn about me and then come up with a personalized recommendation for me things can become so much more sophisticated than they are right now and hopefully more sustainable too absolutely um you know kate you're obviously consulting with some of the biggest retailers in the world and you know i said that in your bio already uh given that you're always tracking how the industry works what do you think brands should be paying attention to or things that they shouldn't do even gosh yeah this is quite for me this is quite a difficult question because um i think it's all about each retailer taking the most relevant next couple of steps on their own journey so it's in part about them understanding who their customers are what their customers are likely to do or want next and be two steps ahead of that so it's not necessarily about just keeping up with the rest of the industry because everyone else is it's it's actually about being in front of your own customers i think people forget that sometimes um but i did yeah i think there's been a lot of talk recently i mean yeah i heard someone say that privacy is the theme of 2019's keynotes and i am really seeing that i talk a lot about how business as you are i guess how businesses can use data to optimize what they're doing but as soon as you talk about that everyone gets really concerned about privacy and i think at the heart of that issue is really retailers intentions i think retailers or customers rather are getting upset about businesses accessing and using their data because businesses aren't using it with the customer at the forefront of their mind or at the forefront of these projects right. whereas i think I don't think it takes much for a retailer to truly decide to put the customer first to think okay if we're gathering all this data how can we use it to benefit the customer and then of course when you use it to benefit the customer you'll make more money what's in your customer's interests is in your interests but no one's really making it really clear how they're using their customers data or saying to customers look if you check into this store we can serve you better and we can serve you better in these ways they just need to i think have a few more projects that tap into the data and make it accessible to customers so that is i think yeah i think the the biggest thing that people seem to be thinking about at the moment that's the most general piece of advice i can perhaps talk about Right. Privacy is an interesting one. Um what are some of the other themes for retail in 2019? Well yeah, I think the privacy thing and making sure that businesses get that right is probably going to be the big theme of what people are talking about. I think the real cutting edge brands are going to be running more digital first and store free experiments whether they really take off with customers is another matter but of course you have to experiment with all of this before it really takes off and as soon as it does take off it's going to change everything <laughs> so it's worth experimenting with i think that's 
that's certainly what I'm going to be tracking with the most interest. Fantastic. So that almost brings us to the end of our podcast. Um, but before I actually completely let you go, I would like you to um, answer a very, very quick rapid fire round that we have. Um, and, you know, please tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. So what's your favorite social media to use and why? Oh, um, I like LinkedIn. It's, um, it's where all, all our clients come from, I guess. And it's where we learn a huge amount. What's an inspiring book that you've read recently? So, yeah, the book I'm reading at the moment is about having strategic conversations and really getting to the heart of an issue with a client, which I'm finding really helpful. Um, but one, I mean, I did read this a few years back, but it's still informed a huge amount of my thinking um that's a book called abundance and that's by peter diamandis i think i'm saying his name correctly and stephen kotler and that's all about how the forces shaping today's world are based on exponential growth trajectories and so really the world of tomorrow is going to look completely different to how it looks today and we really can rely on technology to change things at a very dramatic pace. So that is just a whole new framework for thinking about change and thinking about the world, which is definitely relevant to retail, but is related to business, related to everything else in our lives, I suppose. Um, last question. As a leader, what do you ensure that you do for your teams? Oh, um, I support them. <laughs> I guess I see my role more as um, just being around if they have questions and then letting them get on with it. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast. I had a great time chatting with you on all things retail, Kate. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Well, thank you for this. It's been really nice having a chat about this. If you'd like to join the conversation with stalwarts in retail who talk about fashion, AI, business models, sustainability, technology, and luxury, tune into all our episodes of The View podcast at view.ai slash blog slash podcast. Thank you for listening and see you soon. Bye.